0: CHAPTER THIRTY-FOUR OF SAY AND SEAL. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. SAY AND SEAL. BY SUSAN WARNER. CHAPTER THIRTY-FOUR. There was no more riding after that. The weather grew too cold, and Matabeset was put off till spring. But with walks and talks and reading aloud, Goethe's maxim was well carried out, for there is music that needs no composer but peace, and fireside groups that are not bad pictures in stormy weather. And so December began to check off its short days with busy fingers. There came a sudden interruption to all this, except December's part of it, for a letter arrived from Miss Dahlia Danforth at Pequot begging that faith would come and spend a little time with her miss dahlia was very unwell and suffering and alone with the exception of her brother's french wife and she wrote with longing desire to see faith mr danforth had been some years dead and the widow and the sister who had lived so long together with him since his death had kept their old household life in a very quiet way without him but now miss danforth longed for some of her own kindred or at a special liking or desire for faith's company for she prayed her to come and it was not a call that faith herself a moment doubted about answering mrs derrick's willingness lingered for various natural reasons but that too followed it was clear that faith ought not to refuse the day before she was to go mrs derrick made herself unusually busy and tired so as to spare faith's study time and thus it fell out that when night came and prayers were over mrs derrick went straight to bed partly from fatigue partly to be ready for an early start next day for she was to drive faith over to Pequot. no such need or inducement sent faith to bed and the two students planned a longer evening of work than common to anticipate lost time but when the hours were about half spent cindy came to the door and called out Miss faith faith took her book and went to the door which she held open there was a boy come to-night said cindy from that old starvation creature down by barley point and he says she's more in a box than ever ain't a crumb of bread for breakfast nor supper neither for that is the boy here now why sakes no said cindy come while you was to supper i suppose i might have telled you before but then again i was busy baking cakes and i'm free to confess i forgot and prayers always does turn everything out of my ray head i can't guess how i thought of it now mr skip's away to-night too said cindy in conclusion faith shut the door behind her it's too far for you to go alone can you find somebody to go with you cindy i'll put up a basket of things for her ain't a soul in sight said cindy Ida's leaves go to the hallway, alone, as to Snoop Brown hunting folks. Then, Cindy, if you'll get ready, I'll go with you. She must have something. Cindy looked at her. Guess you'd better get fixed first, Miss Faith. Tain't hardly worth my while, I reckon. Who shouldn't we have after us? Just have your shawl and bonnet ready, Cindy, will you? said Faith gravely, and I'll be ready in a very few minutes." She went with business speed to pantry and cellar and soon had a sizable basket properly filled. Leaving that in Cindy's charge, Faith went back to the sitting-room and came and stood by the table and said quietly, I can't do any more tonight, Mr. Linden. I must be busy in another way. I'm going out for a little while. May I ask not from curiosity with whom, he said looking up at her, with cindy to attend to some business she didn't tell me of in proper time faith had laid her books together and was going off mr linden rose from the table with me if you please miss faith i will not intrude upon your business it's no business to be intruded upon she said with her simple look into his face but cindy and i can do it please do not let me take you away i'm not afraid much miss faith you want a great many lessons yet and i do not deserve this don't you know that in mrs derrick's absence i am guardian of her house and of you i will go with you or without you just as you choose he added smiling if you would rather study than walk you shall is the business too intricate for me to manage it's only to carry some things to an old woman who is in great want of them they can't wait till to-morrow if you will mr linden i'll be ready in a minute i'd like to go she ran to get ready, and Mr. Linden went to the kitchen and took the basket from Cindy, and then waited at the front door till Faith came, and they went out into the moonlight together. A very bright moonlight. In dark shadows, dark and still, only one of them seemed to move, but that one made Faith glad of her change of companions. Perhaps it made the same suggestion to Mr. Linden, for his first words looked that way. Miss Faith, you did not do quite right to-night don't you know with a gentle half-smiling tone you must not let anything make you do wrong her look and tone were both very confiding and touched with timidity did i mr linden i didn't mean to i know that but you must remember for another time and he went off to other subjects giving her talk and information that were perhaps better than books the walk was good too the air bracing and the village sights and sounds in a subsiding glimmer and murmur the evening out of doors was worth as much as the evening within doors could have been faith thought so the way was down the road that led to barley point branching off from that the distance to the poor cottage seemed short enough but if it had seemed long faith would have felt herself well paid so much was the supply needed so joyfully was it received the basket was left there for mr skip to bring home another time and at a rather late hour in the evening the return walk began the night was sharp and frosty and still now with a depth of silence the moon high and full beamed down in silver splendour and the face of the earth was all white and black the cold clear light the sharp shadows angling and defining everything the absolute stillness how well they chimed and chimed they did albeit noiselessly in that bracing air the very steps of the two homeward bound people seemed to spring more light and elastic and give little sound they went on together with a quick even step the very walking was pleasant for a while they talked busily too then thought came in and claimed her place and words ceased they had left the turn to the belt of woods and were now passing one or two empty fields where low hedges made a black line of demarcation and the moonlight seemed even whiter than before. Faith was on the side next to the road, and both a little way out, for the walking was smoother and drier. How it was done, Faith could not tell. The next two seconds seemed full of separate things which she remembered afterwards, but her hand was disengaged from Mr. Linden's arm, and he was standing before her, and she behind him, almost before she had fairly seen a little flash of red light from the hedge before them, a sharp report, powdery taint on the sweet air came then to give their evidence to what that second pass mr linden turned but still standing so as to shield her and laid both hands on her shoulders are you hurt he said in a voice lowered by feeling not intent one bewildered instant she stood mute perhaps with no breath for words the next minute with a motion too unexpected and sudden to be hindered lifting both hands she threw his off, bound it to one side to be clear of him, and sprang like a gazelle towards the spot where the red flash had caught her eye. But she was caught and stopped before she reached it, and held still, the same shield between her and the hedge. Did it touch you, Mr. Linden repeated? No, let me, let me, she said eagerly, endeavouring to free herself. He was silent a moment, a deep-drawn breath the only reply, but he did not loose his hold. MY DEAR CHILD, HE SAID, YOU COULD FIND NOTHING. FOR WHAT WOULD YOU GO? THE TONE WAS VERY GENTLE, EVEN MOVED. YOU MUST WALK ON BEFORE ME, AS QUICK AS YOU CAN. WILL YOU PROMISE TO DO IT? I WILL KEEP YOU IN SIGHT. BEFORE YOU? NO. WHAT ARE YOU GOING TO DO? ARE YOU TOUCHED? HER VOICE CHANGED AS SHE WENT ON. I AM NOT HURT AND MEAN TO DO NOTHING TONIGHT BUT FOLLOW YOU HOME. give ME YOUR PROMISE, MISS FAITH. YOU MUST NOT STAND HERE why in front will they be behind us i must have you in sight and i will not have you near me and letting go his hold he said almost imperatively i will trust you walk on before me miss faith you must not delay a moment i will go with you she said low and clinging to his arm your safety is in being near me i will not delay come but the hand was taken off again and held in both his while he spoke i will not have you anywhere near me if you do not walk on far in front i shall and keep watch of you as best as i can and he let go her hand and stepped back with a quick pace that soon put some distance between them she stood still a moment looking and then sprang back till she reached him speaking with a low vehemence that did not seem like faith i will not do it mr linden i will not i will not come come don't stay here whatever mr linden felt at that appeal and he was not a man to feel it lightly his words lost none of their firmness i shall not stir until you are ten yards in front of me unless i leave you as far behind she planted herself for an instant before him and looked in his face with eyes of quiet but most eloquent beseeching no he repeated you must go on and fear nothing child there is no restraint to the lord to save by many or by few she did not answer even by the little shake of the head which sometimes with her stood in place of words she turned went swiftly forward with a straight even unslackening pace which did not falter nor stop for a long long piece of the way how long it was by the mind's measurement it would be hard to tell it was one breathless sense of pain and fear of which moonlight and shadows and the points of the way all made part and were woven in together. Her ears were tingling for that sound. Her eyes only measured unconsciously the distances, and told off the way-marks. Down the little pitch of the road where that to barley point forked off, then by a space of clear fences where hedgerows were not, and a barn or two rose up in the moonlight, through gates where the post-shadows were black and deep, by the skirting bushes that now and then gathered about the rails she walked as fast as she could and keep her strength that was unconsciously measured too it had seemed to her in her agony of pleading before the commencing of this strange walk that it was impossible she should do it she was doing it now under a force of will that she had not been able to withstand and her mind was subdued and strained beyond the power of thinking her very walking seemed to her mechanical intensely alive as her senses were all the time there was a transient relief at coming into the neighbourhood of the house and a drear feeling of desolation and increased danger as she left it behind her but her pace neither faltered nor flagged she looked round sometimes but never paused for that before the more thickly settled part of the village was reached her step grew a little slower probably from the sheer necessity of failing strength, but steady it was at whatever rate of travel, when at last they turned the sandy corner into the broad street or main way of the village, where houses and gardens often broke the range of hedgeway or fence, the lights spoke to lights in the neighboring windows. Faith stopped and stood leaning against the fence. In another moment she was drawn away from that to a better support are you faint mr linden said her no was faint but the answer was true for all the rest of her he drew her hand within his arm and held on silently but how glad he was to see her home faith might guess from the way she was half carried up the steps and into the hall and the door shut and locked behind her after the same fashion she was taken into the sitting-room and placed in the easy-chair and her wrappers unfastened and Taken off with very gentle and quick hands, she offered almost as little help as hindrance, and her head sank immediately. He stood by her and repeated his question about faintness. Oh, no, sir, I am not faint. It's nothing, Faith said, but as if her very voice was exhausted. and crossing her arms upon the table, close to which the easy chair stood, she laid her head down upon them. Her mother might well say she had a baby face. It looked so, then. Mr. Linden's next move was to get a glass of wine, and with gentle force and persuasion to make her swallow it. That done he stood leaning upon the back of her chair, silently, but with a very, very grave face. She kept her position, scarcely stirring for some length of time, except that after a while she hid her face in her hands, and sitting so, at last she spoke, in a troubled tone. What can be done, Mr. Linden, to put a stop to this? I will try what can be done, he answered, though not as if that point were uppermost in his mind. I think I can find a way. I wish nothing gave me more uneasiness than that. Do you think there is any way that you can do it, thoroughly? Yes, I think so, he repeated. There are ways of doing most things. I shall try." Do not think about it, Miss Faith. I have something now to make me glad you are going to Pequot. Before I could only remember how much I should miss my scholar. Why are you glad now, Mr. Linden? Faith's voice was in as subdued a state of mind as her face. Change of air will be good for you, till this air is in a better state. She made no answer. In a few minutes she rose up, gathered her wrappers into one hand. Are you better? he said. "'Will you promise to go right to sleep, and leave all troublesome matters where alone they can be taken care of?' "'The faintest kind of a smile flitted across her face. "'I don't know,' she said doubtfully. "'I don't know what I can do, Mr. Linden. "'I've told you.' "'I'll try the last part,' she said, with a somewhat more defined smile as she glanced up at him. "'It was as grave and gentle a smile as is often known.' You must try it all, he said, giving her hand the same touch it had once before. Miss Faith, I may use your words. I think you will never give me harder work to do than I have had to-night. She could not bear that. She stood with eyes cast down and a fluttering quiver upon her lip. Still, because of the effort to control herself, was at the moment as much as she could do. It was successful, though barely, and then without venturing another look she said her low good-night sir and moved away she was accompanied as far as the door but then mr linden paused with his hand on the latch shall you take any work i mean book work with you to pequot or will your hands find too much else to do i meant to take some i meant to do a good deal i hope so then can you come back to the great chair for ten minutes and let me give you a word or two of direction she came immediately and sat down and mr linden went back to where they had been interrupted early in the evening and told her what and where and how to go on in the various books till she should see him again putting marks here and there to save her trouble or or penciling some explanation which might be needed it took but a few minutes to do this and then mr linden laid the books together and drawing the old bible towards him once more he turned to the ninety-first psalm and read it aloud read it with full heartfelt effect which made the words fall like the dew they are upon the weary little flower faith was then he bade her once more good night she went refreshed yet to become a prey to struggling thoughts which for a while prevented refreshment from having its lawful action how much of the night and of the early morning faith spent in these thoughts and in the fruit of them is uncertain for the evening's work would sufficiently have accounted for her worn look the next day chapter thirty four